Philippians 4, 1-9 Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with you, dear, and I plead with sin to, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I will ask you, local yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or hear from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the Lord of peace will be with you. Well, we're definitely good for sunshine. And at the moment with my Bible open, the whiteness of the pages is giving me a bit of a glare, making me squint just that little bit more. We do still have some banging on going on behind me. Uh, at the Bolts Club and plenty of bird noise around me too but I'm hoping none of those are going to distract as we look at the beginning of chapter 4 of Philippians that we've just heard read. Now, the first thing I want to do is pray. Father would you bring your wisdom through your Holy Spirit to our understanding of this passage? Would you bring our willingness to be changed and to grow in our spiritual understanding as we read together. Would you give us humility as we continue to recognise that we will always need to learn more of you. Amen. So right at the beginning of chapter four, we have um, one of these um, sort of well-recognised sort of Paul things he does. So he starts with a therefore, and the therefore is really helpful because it's how he links the thing he's just said or the thing he's about to say. Now, if your Bible is anything like my NIV, there's also um, a new header that begins with verse 2, not with verse 1. And verse 1 seems to belong to the passage before, but it is a linking sentence. Therefore, my brothers, he says, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Now, we need to understand what the that is, and that means going back to our previous section, the back end of chapter three, where he talks about the importance of maintaining a, a push for maturity, uh, being determined not to let ourselves be distracted by things that might get in the way of that pursuit of maturity. He really wants those who claim to be disciples, who want to follow Jesus, to really commit themselves to doing so. And then he goes on to say uh, that he longs for and loves those in the Philippian church. It's always reassuring, isn't it, to hear a church leader talk about a local congregation in, in passionate and, and loving ways with great warmth. And this is exactly what, um, what Paul is doing here. He demonstrates that he cares for them. And he cares for them 
despite or maybe even because of the other things he talks about in these few verses. Listen to this. Stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side along with others. So that maturity, that seeking after being mature disciples who are growing in their understanding, has an expression in so many ways. But right now, Paul wants to say, it has an expression in the way relationships work within the church. It's clear that Euodia and Syntyche, and they're both names for women, that they have somehow come to a disagreement. They are not seeing eye to eye. And he calls them out in this letter, which would have been read aloud, so everybody would know who he was referring to. And it may even be that these two women were part of the original congregation. Remember, right back uh, when we were looking at Acts 16, we were looking about how this church came to be, this first church in Europe, without a synagogue as its basis. And he gathered those uh, first members of the church from a place of prayer outside the city walls, and women were gathered. It may well be that these were some of those women. So he knows them, and he knows they've fallen out, words got to him. And he calls on them to do something, to take the initiative about how they're not seeing eye to eye, to do something to restore the relationship. And he also asks this loyal yoke fellow. Now, we don't know whether that's a specific individual. The Greeks suggest it might be an individual's name rather than a term, um, a term for somebody who shares a burden. But what it does suggest is that, is that that relationship that's a bit busted, that, that, that Paul thinks, as an apostle, that busted relationships shouldn't happen in churches, and that it's the responsibility of the individuals who've fallen out and of the senior uh, disciples around them, or those, those given responsibility, to get involved too. This has quite a big implication for us. So this means that if... If we find that we've fallen out with somebody, you know, A falls out with B or doesn't see eye to eye, then actually there's an expectation from Paul that C, someone else in the church, has a responsibility to get involved and help put that right. Now, Paul doesn't seem at all interested in which person's right and which person's wrong. The only thing he's interested in is making sure that the relationship is good. And you might think of it this way. If, as Paul discusses in various places in the New Testament, we have a, a kind of um, battle ongoing. We have a front line uh, with the world that doesn't understand Jesus and, and very often is quite opposed to him. Or in the case of chapter 3, maybe even those who are, are, are false disciples who are stirring up trouble. If you've got that, that battlefront happening, the last thing you need is a second one within the church. He's not saying, Paul doesn't in this passage say it doesn't matter the thing you've fallen out over doesn't matter. But he is saying the relationship is so important that it is to be prioritised by both of you and by those others in the church who might help them resolve it. And this leads me to a recognition that there's something important about saying in, in churches, in communities at all, but particularly in churches where we are, we are supposed to be modelling good relationships, where we have the ability to say, whether I'm right or wrong, I recognise that what I did hurt you. Whether I'm right or wrong, I know that the way I behaved might have been done differently. I'm losing my temper over it wasn't the right thing to do. Or 
whatever it might be, finding a way to say, I care about you enough that being right isn't going to get in the way of our relationship being good. You remember Jesus says, as he talks to his disciples, that, that if you're on your way to worship God and you remember there's something that's come between you and someone else, don't go and worship until you've got to resolve that thing. So Paul is really only echoing what Jesus teaches here. Unity, that ability to maintain good relationships, is really super important to Paul. And, and part of what he's saying here in chapter 4 is that it's worth the effort and it's appropriate to put in the effort to prioritise those relationships. Some, some of us perhaps have grown up in church settings where we've been encouraged to believe that if you disagree with somebody on a point of doctrine, it is appropriate to stop contact with them or, or to push them to the margins or, or to stop interacting with them as a way of making your point or as a, as a way of staying pure, perhaps. I don't think Paul gives us that option. I don't think Jesus does either. There is a responsibility here to maintain good relationships. This is, after all, as, as Paulus said, um, a, a family. This is Jesus' family that we're part of when we follow him. So having said this, Paul then goes on uh, in verse 4. says, rejoice uh, and rejoice. It's, it's actually the third or fourth time in the letter that he's commanded this rejoicing. And, and it's not just about something you do personally. The way he describes it talks more about feeling at ease to celebrate Jesus in a way that isn't hidden. And then, of course, he goes on and says, let your gentleness be evident for all. Again, you see this, this priority of relationship that has sprung out of a conversation about maturity. So if you're going to be a mature disciple, you prioritise good relationships. As you prioritise good relationships, your gentleness should be evident. I'm sure he would have wanted Euodia and Syntyche and this loyal yoke fellow to all be demonstrating gentleness. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, and he goes on to talk about how we might avoid that. There is a, an understanding in this that this is also to do with maturity. So in that ancient Near East setting, most worship of, of all those other gods was based on a kind of anxiety that if you didn't do it right, that there would be a, an anger and a retribution. And the picture that Paul paints of what Jesus is like, and we go back to chapter 2 for that, really doesn't leave any room for us to be anxious because we know we are loved and provided for uh, by Jesus and that he has provided a way for us to be with God the Father and to enjoy his company uh, in a way that means that we're included in the family of God um, indefinitely, in a, in a way that is the best fulfilment of everything that life could be. So I'm just going to skip on and look at verses 8 and 9 as we finish. In those verses, Paul gives a little list of things um, that he encourages the church at Philippi to focus on. Anything that's excellent, praiseworthy, admirable, pure, noble, right or lovely. This, I think, is still a push towards that sense of maturity. If you're going to be a mature disciple, you're going to be turning your attention towards your brain and your um, your, the, the attention of your day-to-day -day sight you're going to be turning it to things that are going to be godlike because the more of godly things you pit in the more godly you're likely to be they're going to be like jesus paul says these are the kind of, of things that you want to surround yourself with if 
you're going to if you're going to grow um, as a as a plant that flowers beautifully like this one then you're going to need the right kind of things around you so that you grow well and that you flourish so these are the kinds of things paul says that you look to surround yourself with things that are lovely and noble and you'll notice that in the middle of that he also points out that that they should be looking for things that he has set the example in this is incredibly brave of paul because he puts a lot of pressure on himself in doing that but he also shows a lot of courage he says i i want to be a disciple of jesus and i'm willing to take responsibility for my own behavior in jesus name and then to encourage others to be like me not because he believed he was without fault he was way too wise to think that but to give the disciples around him something to follow and that's a responsibility for us in that way too if you are a disciple if you know jesus not only is it your responsibility to nurture your own spiritual life but also to provide an example that others follow to model good discipleship let's pray father we thank you for these reminders we thank you that paul saw the need for a young church to grow in its maturity to grow taller and stronger and more wise in the way it understood jesus and lived like jesus would you help us to take on board that kind of challenge and to be determined to follow jesus in all that we do and in what we surround ourselves with amen okay i'm hoping you're now familiar with the idea that we ask three questions of ourselves after the teaching and that's what we're going to do now just before we finish with the blessing they're not on bits of paper to hold up to the camera this week but they are coming up on the screen any moment okay here's number one is there a relationship that you have with somebody else who loves jesus have you got a relationship that isn't in the right place right now and what could you do perhaps to put it right and is there anybody who also loves jesus who could help you to put it right let's take responsibility ourselves for making sure that our relationships with other disciples are in a good place and in some situations this just won't be possible it may be that the person that we know we had some friction with has moved out of our lives and it, it might cause more problems than not to reconnect with them in order to put that right it might be possible but use some wisdom and some judgment in that where you can where you can identify something that could be better and you can do so wisely and well and maybe with some support be good to identify who that is second question what are you going to do to be a growing disciple what can you build into your rhythm of life that's going to help you to do that and what are you going to build into your rhythm of life that will help you model it to others who trust Jesus too. Question three. And I agonise over this. I was going to ask a question about rejoicing and about how we how we take up that challenge from Paul to rejoice. And maybe that's a good question to look at anyway. But I was going to instead uh, ask that we look for what the things are, those noble, lovely, honourable things that we might have around us that are going to help us to stay in Jesus' footsteps. What are those things? Paul says, doesn't he? Um, whatever's good, whatever's lovely and, and noble and honourable. 
um, focus on these things. What are those things? And, and if there are things you could bring into your life that's going to help with that, maybe think about what those things would be. And possibly also telling people around you what you're hoping to change so that you might be accountable to them.